Welcome to episode four of Selfies of the Mind. New lens, new filter, new view. Today I'm going to touch upon the top 10 biggest fears that people have in general. This episode is inspired by an article I read where a psychologist therapist was interviewed and she summed up the biggest fears in the list of top 10 that people face or that people experience. And I find this fascinating because I could relate to all of them and I have experienced these fears and most of them I have overcome. Others, I still fear them at times, which I think is only normal as human beings. After all, we will continue to feel fear, but it's all about facing your fears so they don't have power over you. And often there is an emotional wound, an emotional core wound attached to it, or it is a projection of other people's fear, or it is an exaggerated, inflated sense of fear, or it is an actual fear that tries to tell you something. But the more we shy away, the more we give our power away to numbing the emotional discomfort or not looking at the emotional discomfort that comes up, the less powerful we become. So over the next series of episodes, I will dive deeper into each of these fears and share my own experience, how I have applied. I will try to speak correct English and not make any grammatical mistakes for those who enjoy Laughing at my grammatical mistakes, I will keep on repeating them. For others who are allergic to my English, then I do apologize in advance. (laughs) But jokes aside, I will share my own experience and how I have applied the new lens, new filter, and new view, and hopefully inspire, but also empower you to do the same. In today's episode, we're going, I'm going to share the top 10 fears so you know what to expect in the coming episodes. The first one is change, fear of change. I think we, especially now, we live in an era where change is constant and rapid. So a lot of people are struggling with change fatigue. There's so much happening at a massive scale and Change happens to us, but transition happens within us, as William Bridges in his brilliant four-hour read explains it. So you can only imagine that the changes that are going on uh, in our external environment, within us, it's an emotional roller coaster at times, depending also what kind of change. Is it if it's change of uh, job, if it's a happy change of job, Perhaps this brings positive energy into our life. If it's a change in relationship status, this will bring negative energy in the beginning until we internalize the change. If it's moving places, it can also bring a mix of positive and negative energy, emotions. So it is a feeling we feel inside. And at least me, I was actually mind blown when I read his book, because I had no idea how many times I skipped the phases of adjusting internally and allowing time to grow to the internal process of change. 
So he explains that the first phase is letting go, is grieving the old version. So if you change a job, do you take the time to grieve the role that you were in before? Even if you didn't like it, even if you perhaps maybe even severely disliked your experience, it was still familiar to you for many years. Now you are in a new role, but it's a new job. So the middle phase is unknown. It's, it's natural, it comes with uncertainty, fear, because you haven't embodied yet or uh, practiced a new version of you that masters that role in a sense. So there is the letting go first phase, there's the in-between phase, the transitional phase, and then the new phase is where you really embrace the future, the new you. And you can apply this uh, lens or this understanding of these three phases in every change in your life, whether it's a major transformative change or a smaller change. And the second fear is loneliness. This is a fear that I struggled with myself for a long time because I often choose to be alone and it comes with loneliness as well. There's a difference between being alone and feeling lonely. When we are alone, it, it indicates that we don't mind, we enjoy our company. But when we feel lonely, it means that we feel disconnected from outside world. So some people are surrounded with many people, but they feel lonely. Other people are surrounded with no one and they feel alone. They don't feel lonely necessarily. And I, I think the research is very clear and interesting that loneliness is a huge indicator for human suffering for, because we are not meant to be isolated from one another. And I share in my uh, newsletter on Saturday, 10th of February, birthday of my son, <laughs> is that I found it very, I still find it very difficult to bid for connection because of my past experiences, because of the rejections, the pain and hurt I felt, and because of my childhood experience as well, and because of the way I grew up being self-reliant. But the problem is I always applied the emotional wound lens. I saw my experiences and I saw loneliness during lens of pain. So I switched it around and I had to actually make a lot of effort and it felt, it still feels quite uncomfortable to reach out, to build relations, to learn how to trust again, how to connect. And I will explain in the episode, I think will be episode six, on how I actually did that and how I still enjoy being alone, but I feel less lonely. I still feel lonely at times, I think we all do, but I'm more embracing again, having the right connections in my life. And then we have the third fear is fear of failure. And this is not my statement, but someone said it and I picked it up somewhere along the line. I forgot who it was, said that people don't fear failure, but they fear the emotional embarrassment that comes with failure. And this comes with emotional discomfort. What will people say? What will people do? I struggled with the emotional embarrassment for many years, especially when I became an entrepreneur. I was so used in having a mindset that was molded in an institutional hierarchical environment where failure was not rewarded. It was actually risk averse. 
So imagine an entrepreneur, you need to fail, you need to fail fast and you need to fail forward. So I had to go through that uncomfortable process to now where I'm at a point, I still fail and I feel embarrassed, <laughs> but the embarrassment lasts very short. And now I feel actually very comfortable because I no longer outsource the need of validation from exterior and, and from the external. And here's where my spirituality has helped me tremendously because I just feel connected with a bigger purpose and with a bigger meaning when it comes to my mission and what I feel I am here to express and to share and to teach and to help. And I don't care how I am judged. I don't care anymore who likes it, who doesn't. I feel fulfilled when that's in service. So that helped me a lot, but I will dive deeper into the relevant episodes. I am terrible with maths. I should have my son. He's a genius, mathematical genius. And then fear four is rejection. And in this one, I have a lot to share actually, because I felt rejected in my life many times. And I became so fearful of putting myself out there, of going after opportunities that I kept myself stuck in a way, or I suffered longer than was necessary when it comes to self-sabotage and what we and the inner critic. So I finally overcame the fear of rejection and I've, I still hurts, but it hurts much less and it's, and I get over it quite quickly. And I think this is what, what you want to aspire to. I don't think anyone will ever, if you're a normal functioning human being with normal emotional system and logical system and everything's functioning, that you don't feel, that you don't feel hurt when you reject it. Obviously, you feel hurt. So I still feel hurt as well, but I managed to uh, keep it in proportion and, not, and take perspective and get over it much faster than the weeks or the months of eating chocolate and watching sad, sad movies, <laughs> liking quotes that blame the group of people where, you know, you feel related to where the rejection comes from. <laughs> so then we have fear five, which is uncertainty. This is a big one, especially now an entrepreneur. I had to be brutally honest with myself because I was used for years living in a sense of security, paycheck to paycheck. Money was coming in every month. But as an entrepreneur, this was not the case. I grew up with a scarcity mindset. I grew up in a, even if I grew up in, that's another story, but in an unpredictable environment, I always had the sense of stability. So as an entrepreneur, you don't have that, especially in the beginning. And I have big dreams. For some, even seems impossible. Not for me. However, in the beginning, I struggled a lot because I just couldn't, I refused to give up on my dreams. I refused to give up on my vision. I refused to do things like everyone else. <laughs> and so I, I just kept going and I, but I'm glad because that helped me find safety and security within and not in my external environment. And that's a huge endeavor in itself because as people, we are wired to feel safe and secure based on our external condition, our external environment, and not internal. So I will share that in episode, I think, eight or nine, if I can calculate right. And then we have fear six, something bad happening. 
This is also, I grew up with my parents, uh, may, my father, may he rest in peace, but my mother still, it's like overprotecting. And I see this in myself as well with my son, which I had to change my way. That I, when you are overprotecting, you always scare your kids in not experiencing life because you want to protect them. But what it does, they grow up thinking something bad will happen if I feel, and if you're used to bad things happening or the way you view challenges, then as soon as you feel good, you're not even enjoying the feeling good because you're already looking, expecting something bad to happen. So I worked hard and long on this mindset to actually see life as ebb and flow and to be very balanced in the way I feel about life events. And there was, I think it was Morgan Freeman, a great scene where he explains that when we pray God for strength, do you think he gives us strength or do you think he gives us opportunities to build resilience? When we pray God for patience, do you think he gives us patience or opportunities to build patience? And the same thing with challenges. Life will inevitably have challenges. And I shifted my mindset that these challenges, and <laughs> I think God or the universe really wanted me to get, to get through this and to learn this lesson and have it ingrained. I faced many challenges that I think with the old mindset, or I would not have been able to survive even. And I will share them in my newsletters and episodes and my YouTube channel. But I overcame each and every one of them. And they build my character and they build the way I view life and how I handle and how I stay grounded. And it was anything but easy. I look back at these challenges and the process of building my character and I am so grateful because the strength that I've developed because of these challenges, I no longer fear if something bad happens. And you can say, be careful what you wish for, I said this several times before, and then something bad happened, but precisely to test me, how will I deal with the situation? And I just deal with it. I feel whatever emotion comes up, and I trust myself that I will figure it out, and I will get through it. What's the it's really, what's the worst that can happen? Actually, I asked this question, and the worst did happen. At the end of the day, I still had a roof over my head. I was still breathing. I was still functioning. My, the son was alive, the bunny was alive, and that was all that mattered. The people I loved were alive and healthy. And I think uh, feeling your fears and even experiencing your fears brings perspective. The seventh is getting hurt. This one is also big. I, I love the use of character strengths by Values in Action Character Institute. And when I did the survey, they have 24 universal character. Love was actually on the bottom. And I was surprised because I do have a big heart and I do love. I love a bit too hard, which I had to temper a bit, or at least until I get to know people who are close to me much better before you open your heart, before you open your heart or before you love. Not everyone loves the way you do. So I was confused. Why is this one of my weaker character strengths? But when I read the rationale behind it, it all made sense. It wasn't necessarily related to my capacity to love, but to my comfort zone to love, how intimate I was with people. And you know, no dirty minds, intimate here doesn't mean physical intimacy, but mental, emotional vulnerability, emotional intimacy, 
how well was I allowing people to see me? I was used to helping others. I was used to helping people solve their problem. But I grew up feeling that I was a burden. So I never shared my problem. I never shared how I felt, which was also not fair to those who did uh, love me and who did want to help me because I just didn't give them a chance. There are obviously also... We all meet our nemesis or people who just, they're like leaves or branches with the storm or season they, they exchange. So I learned that lesson as well. But in general, I had intimacy problems, vulnerability problems, and that's why I scored low on love. Coming back to the fear of, of getting hurt, it was precisely because I was so hurt in the past. I was looking at these experiences from a lens of pain, not lens of this is life, right? Life is to be experienced, connections. And when we get attached to people or to relationships or to things, that's when we uh, get hurt the most. It's normal to feel emotional discomfort. It's normal to feel uh, negative emotions when we break up or when something happens or when we are in the argument. It's all part of being alive <laughs> in this life. And if I look back, I... And, and the joyful, the truly intimate, ex mental, emotional experiences I had, they were all worth it. So I, I worked through that lens that shifted my mindset, changed the way I viewed it, and that helped me actually score much higher when it came to love. Then we have eight, being judged. I love the quote from Carl Jung, who says, thinking is hard, that's why we judge. It's also normal that we judge because... Thinking is quite hard in the sense that we need to use our mental capabilities and focus and quite a lot of energy levels to not be on autopilot. We have bias and we have ingrained thought processes for a reason so we can manage our body energy. If we process information in real time, our brain wouldn't be able to regulate all the energy for us to function properly. That said, I think judgment is more about how you judge yourself more than how other people judge you. Because when you think about it, if, you, if someone judges the way you speak, for example, and if you are frank with yourself, does it come from the fear of you caring what they think or are you judging yourself? that you are not speaking correctly or in a way that you don't like your voice. I didn't like my voice for years until I got an offer one, one day to join a phone line because they liked the sensuality of my voice. <laughs> Obviously, I declined because that's not what I will use my voice for. But it's, I was judging myself. The same thing, I'm quite much less so a perfectionist. So I was judging myself quite harshly and I automatically assumed that people were doing the same. So here, being judged to fear, and I will dive deeper into the episode, we will look at your own beliefs versus what other people believe. And the more you become solid in your belief system and in, in, in judging yourself less, you will automatically judge others less, and we will automatically create a more inclusive society where we let people be and we did nothing wrong or right obviously if it's not harmful the context is important cyber criminals should be judged for example then we have inadequacy so many of us don't feel enough 
because of when we were born, we were perfectly whole and complete. And then we grow up and based on our parents, caregivers, and this is not to blame, eh? teachers, it's just the way it goes. We are told to be a certain way and we, how many times do we hear no as children? Can you imagine? I do this with my son as well and catch myself. I said, can I say less? No, which is very hard with my kind of offspring, but he just pushes the buttons that no is the only thing that comes out. <laughs> but it's growing up already, you know, we make children feel not enough and that we take that throughout our adulthood and then in life. So uh, I have many examples to share, but I will hone in specific story and experience of my life where I overcame this fear of not being enough. And this was one of, the, I think, the hardest thing I had to learn in, in, in my life so far, is to fully accept myself as I am and to stop hiding parts of me that I feel they're not enough or that I fear people will reject and to just be myself wholly, completely and accept that people will like it, other people won't like it but it has nothing to do with my self-worth. What I do is not who I am. And then the last one, number 10, is loss of freedom. And here I will dive deeper into the difference between freedom and liberty. I think we all have the ability to feel free in thought, to feel free in emotion, to feel free in how we respond to our challenges. It's not easy, it's very difficult an inspiring read that really changed my mind or my perspective is from Man's Search for Meaning, where even in the concentration camp, he managed to find personal freedom. But liberty is related to our freedom of movement. And that is not necessarily always in our control. It depends on where you're born. It depends whether you're in a conflict environment. It depends on, look at what happened. We want to forget about it, but look at what happened during the pandemic where we were uh, told to stay you know, locked up in isolation at home. Our freedom was not impacted, but our liberty was our freedom of movement. And I think when you differentiate between these two, you can find emotional freedom without necessarily confusing it with liberty, because a lot of people seek freedom in pursuing liberty. But you can travel to India, to most Zen place on earth, find the most Zen place on earth. I still want to go to India, by the way, but still not feel free. So there you have your liberty, but you still have that inner turmoil and the inner, inner chatter going on. So these are the top 10 fears that I will dive deeper in each week. So every Sunday I will release a new uh, podcast episode. I admit I was a bit enthusiastic in the beginning, but uh, I want to make this quality over quantity. So one episode a week. Make sure you check out my YouTube channel, the EQ Oasis YouTube channel, where I turn my newsletter of finding inner peace during chaos into visuals. So I have videos and snippets, short videos, where I share my own experience on how I find personal freedom, inner peace during challenging times. And you can explore the EQ Oasis. There is a free seven-day emotional intelligence challenge that helps you build an emotional intelligence foundation. And I would love to welcome you in the EQ Oasis membership 
community as well, where I go much deeper into practical strategies. I hold monthly live coaching sessions and exclusive members for exclusive events for our members. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye.